Well, good morning. Uh, we are in week seven of our series about humility. If you have any interest after today about seeing any of the sermons you might have missed, those are available on pretty much all of uh, your streaming podcast services and YouTube as well. Uh, we are super glad to have you all here and honored to have the guests that we do. I know that lots of you are here to support Gavin today, and we appreciate you being here. I know he appreciates it as well. We're very proud of that young man and uh, excited for his journey with Christ. Now, uh, I will selfishly, just before we start, I'll ask for you to, at some point today to say a little prayer for Winifred, our youngest daughter, Jerrica, and her were at urgent care this morning, and she's a sick little lady, uh, nothing that medicine won't fix, but she's got a couple things working against her right now. So if you'd say a short prayer for her, I would appreciate that. Like I said, we are in week seven of our series titled A Believer's Humility, and today we look at the unfinished business. As Paul starts to conclude his letter, we're getting real close to the end here, and we're going to be in chapter three, verses 12 through 21. As has been our custom through this series, I'll read the whole chunk of scripture, and then we'll just kind of break it down, okay? So starting in verse 12, it says, not that I have already obtained all this, okay, as you might just know from that passage right there, that one verse, uh, at least the beginning of the verse, this is a continuation of what we talked about last week, but he says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus." All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Joining together and following my example, brothers and sisters, as, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies to the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body." So last week, just to review, we spoke briefly about obtaining righteousness, which we discussed can only occur by putting our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. And Paul spoke about his goal as a believer, which we should also make our goal as a believer in verse 10, which says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Well, Paul begins this week, as you just heard, explaining his mindset as he approaches that goal. Let's look just quickly at verses 12 and the first half of 13. It says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. See, if this seems significant, it's because it is. 
Paul himself is a spiritual giant. We talked about last week how he is uh, the epitome of what it meant to, to be a Jew. And he transitioned from being a Jew to a Christian and in doing so gave up absolutely everything in his life that he might follow Jesus Christ. We talked about again last week about how we must give up everything to obtain or to get the only thing that actually matters, which is Christ Jesus. But he needed his readers to know that still he, Paul, hadn't gotten there yet. He, the spiritual giant, he, their teacher, he, their leader, he, the author of this letter and so many other letters like it, he had yet to obtain this perfect position in Christ. And I think that he offers this up as encouragement because he wants them to know that while you're sitting here struggling as if you haven't made it yet and wondering if you ever will and and struggling with that battle and struggling with that journey, understand that I, Paul, I'm not there yet either. I'm not there yet either. He has not yet reached the pinnacle of spiritual maturity, which is to be fully sold out to Christ. And if we're being honest, no matter what our age, no matter how long we've considered ourselves a Christian, no matter how long we've been in a relationship with Jesus, chances are we can honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, look in the mirror and say, I'm not fully sold out to Christ. I'm a lot further, I'm a lot closer to that point than where I was when I started, but I'm not fully just all about the Lord right? My sinful ways still get in my way sometimes. My sinful desires still control my thoughts and my actions. I'm trying. I'm working towards it, but I'm just not fully there. The pinnacle of spiritual maturity can only be obtained when humility is perfected, which is why we've spent the last seven, and we'll spend one more week on it next week, looking at humility. Because that pinnacle of spiritual maturity where we are fully sold out to Christ only takes place when humility inside of us is perfected. And Paul hadn't made it there yet. So understand that if he hadn't made it there yet, you can give yourself some grace and cut yourself a little slack if you're not there yet either. And I will tell you as your pastor, I just so coincidentally happen to be named Paul as well, I'm far from it, okay? A lot farther from it than even this Paul would have been. Paul hasn't made it there yet. I haven't made it there yet. You haven't made it there yet. And if we're being truthful with ourselves, Paul knew that he wouldn't make it there on his own. And we know we won't make it there on our own either. We can't. We just can't. By nature, we are sinful. But we can always chase the goal. Okay, we can always chase the goal. Now, I don't know if you guys have noticed yet this morning, but I'm what I would like to call a big-boned individual. All right? I'm a little bit on the hefty side. I've been in the morbidly obese category for the majority of my life. Uh, The first doctor I ever had that told me I was morbidly obese uh, was uh, a Middle Eastern lady who reminded me of my father when I was at the age of 13, and I just laughed in her face because she was hysterical, right? But here's the thing. I am trying all the time to be healthier. 
And lately, uh, this has been like the first time in my life where the exercise part of my life and the diet part of my life have matched up the first time. Usually I'm on one and not on the other, right? I'm like, I'm working out really hard so I can eat four cheeseburgers. Uh, Or I'm like, hey, I'm eating really well, so who needs to work out, right? Nobody likes that. It stinks. But my point in saying all of this is my goal is not to necessarily be a specific weight. I want to be 185 pounds. Must I'm kidding. Okay. Um, my goal is not necessarily to be a specific weight or to look a specific way, but honestly, I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy enough to play with my kids. I want to be able to pick my daughter up, my littlest one, Cordelia, that ship has sailed. She's 10 going on 11. She's a full grown woman. That ain't happening. Even if she had right Winifred, we're still close. Like uh, her fifth birthday, she woke up and she's like, I'm five, pick me up. And I said, that's cut off now. Sorry. You reach the age. You don't get picked up anymore. I've got daddy's got a bad back. Right. But I'm trying to get to the point where I'm I'm as healthy as I can possibly be, okay, in order to live the longest life and be with my girls as long as I possibly can be and hopefully one day be with grandchildren and do all the things and live uh, just full life. That's my goal, okay? But I also love cake. (laughs) I just do. I love cake. Cake is delicious, especially if it's made out of cheese. Cheesecake is the best. Thanks for not bringing me a piece, Grant and Caitlin, from yesterday. That's fine. I'll forgive you, right? I struggle. That's just a struggle that I have. I've been a fat person for as long as fat people have been fat, right? But I can try. I can always chase the goal to be as healthy as I possibly can be. It's the same thing with faith. I I see that correlation, and that's my correlation because obviously, right? But you may have a different correlation, but I'll never be perfect. I know I won't, right? Without a little juice and a little bit of personal training, there's like not a way for me to be like the physical specimen that is the rock, okay? It's just not going to happen, but I can always chase after that. Well, our spiritual walk really is a lot the same. I'm never going to stand up here and have you all think, you know, our pastor looks a whole lot like Jesus today. I'm just not. I'm trying. I want to be as Christ-like as possible. Every day I'm trying to follow the Spirit wherever it leads and be as Christ-like as possible, but I still struggle. I've still got sin. I still have things that get in the way. There are still things I chase that I shouldn't that aren't Jesus and aren't God and aren't even necessarily bad, but just aren't where God is calling me to go. We are sinful by nature, but we can always chase after the goal. We can find success in our spiritual walk by doing what Paul says in the remainder of verse 13 and 14, which is this. One thing I do, right? He starts off by saying, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm trying, but I'm not there. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, doing the work. He's not just hoping to walk through the woods with a path that wasn't there before that all of a sudden is blazed and everything's perfect and he's got arrows pointing him every which way to go. Go. I just choked on myself. Go. What was that? (laughs) Which way to go, right? Like he knows he's going to have to put in the work, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heaven word in Christ Jesus. Humility is important because it allows us to find joy in the pursuit while refusing to rest on past accomplishments or being discouraged by past failures. 
I'm going to say that one more time. Humility allows us to find joy in the pursuit of Christ while refusing to rest on past accomplishments or be discouraged by past failures. In our pursuit of Christ, of righteousness, we must have a short memory. They talk about it all the time in sports, right? Especially with people who are in charge of stressful jobs. Quarterbacks have to have a short memory. You threw an interception, forget about it. If you're a closer in baseball, you blew a save yesterday, well, guess what? You might be out there today, you've got to forget about it. You've got to have a short memory. You can't forget about how bad you might have been. You also can't rely on how good you might have been because tomorrow is a new day. It's not about what you necessarily did in the days before. It's about how are you following Christ Jesus today? We have to have a short memory. It's not about our success or even our last failure. It's about the next opportunity to go where the Spirit leads. Here's why. To rest on what we have done is to rely on our own merit. It's to try to obtain righteousness through works, which Paul explained to us last week, we have no chance of doing. We can't. It's not going to happen. To allow our past failures to consume us and slow our progress is to ignore God's grace. It's to say what you did on the cross, not enough. It may have done it for everybody else. It didn't do it for me. It's still a position that's looking to earn your righteousness through what it is that you do and you accomplish. No, instead, we must press toward the goal, towards Christ, forgetting what we have done in the past, whether good or bad, and allowing ourselves to rest in what has been won for us by Christ on the cross. We must live in that confidence as we strain towards the goal and we push forward, living every day as if, yes, it might be our last, and seeking God in all that we do, in everything that we do. Paul says to master this mindset, to press through all the things to Christ is spiritual maturity. Verse 15, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. This is Paul's bless your heart moment, right? In verse 14, he he says, Listen, if you're mature, you're going to think like I'm thinking right now. And if you have a, a problem with what I'm saying to you right now, well, have a blessed day. <laughs> I mean, that's really what he's dropping on him. He's saying, well, God's going to make it clear to you. If you differ from what I'm saying right now, if you think differently than what I'm trying to explain to you right now, don't worry. God will make it clear to you. He goes on to explain that if you aren't there yet, if you aren't there yet, if you're not in that place, live confidently in the righteousness that has been obtained for you by Christ. In Christ alone, I place my faith and my trust, knowing that that is the only opportunity that I have for righteousness because I am a sinner, a sinner that has been saved by grace. And then he goes on to encourage us to humbly focus and take encouragement from those who are in the place that we want to.
to be. Verses 16 and 17 says, Only let us live up to what we have already obtained, that righteousness that Christ has won for us. Join together in following my examples, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. See, in life, it is natural for us to play a comparison game. It just is. We use people as a measuring tool. And sometimes in our lack of humility, we do it the wrong way. We look at people and we say, well, here's where I'm at and look where they are. <laughs> Sucker, <laughs> right? Like, gotcha. Better than them, right? And it's like, but what about these guys? And you're like, don't want to talk about them. We're focused on the people below me, right? I mean, we're sinful. Sometimes that's what we do. But Paul is telling us here that this comparison game can be healthy. It can be good for us. Look at the example of those who are living for Christ the way that they should be living for Christ and strive to be like them. Take encouragement from them, knowing that they, like you, are sinful creatures. Knowing that they, like you, did not do this on their own, that they did not obtain righteousness by something that they did, but by Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only. And that they have gotten to the place that they are at because of what Christ has done for them and their willingness to do nothing but just follow wherever he's leading. And if they can do it too, guess what? So can you. If they can do it too, so can you. Because we all have the same starting point. Sin. That's where we all begin. Then he continues in verse 18 through 21, saying, For as I have often told you before now and tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Paul is bringing us back to the reality of our situation. You see, there is a polarity that exists in the world. And on one side, there is those who are ruled by their appetite for the things of this world, whatever that may be, status, notoriety, things, material possessions, right, self-glorification. And those people will, if they focus on that in this world, will most likely obtain those things. But that is where they find their reward, you see, their God is their stomach, and because that is the case, their destiny is their destruction. And we as Christians cannot be the same. On the other side are those who have citizenship in heaven, whose prize is Jesus Christ and Jesus alone, who say, I need nothing of this world. I need nothing of this world because I know that everything of this world is going to be left behind when I go to heaven or go to where I might be going. I don't need anything from this world. And those people who put Christ first, who rest in Christ alone, who seek to find righteousness from Christ and Christ only, they will be rewarded by a renewal of spirit and body. And one day they will be in the presence of God forever. 
I want you guys to think about this because when I was studying this little passage this week, this is something that really stuck out to me and something that I just started thinking about and it kind of blew me away a little bit. I'm kind of a simpleton, you know that. It doesn't take a lot to impress me, but man, I just thought that this thought that I really feel like God had placed in my mind was something worthy of sharing. You see, I don't remember when we mentioned it, but we talked about how Moses, when he was with uh, the, the Israelites, let my people go, right? And he would go into the tent of meeting to, to, to be in God's presence as he came out. His face, we're not even talking about the power of God, just Moses' face, it shone with such glory that he had to wear a veil. Remember us talking, I think maybe Phil said, I'm not 100% sure, but do you remember that being mentioned? And I thought about how on earth, here on earth, people who in scripture were lucky enough to be in the presence of God, they couldn't even look at him. They couldn't look at him. They were blinded by him, by his righteousness, by his holiness, by his purity. I think it was Ashley last week at one of our groups that talked about how when light shines off of snow, right, like the day after it snows and the sun comes up, it is just, you can't look at it. You're blinded, right? And here all of us are. If God was to, to drop down into this room today, we would all be blinded. None of us could view him. None of us could look at him. Many of us would probably need new pants. I, I mean, think about just being in his presence. We can't do it. But guys, one day we're going to be in eternity with him. We're going to be in eternity with God. And we're going to get a body like Jesus' body. Thank the Lord. <laughs> and we're not only going to get to be in God's presence, but we're going to be able to look at him. And we're going to be able to worship him. And we're going to be able to sing his praises. And we're going to be deemed righteous enough to be able to see him. Not because of anything we did. Not because of anything that we have obtained. Not because of our own merit. Not because we are deserving. But because Christ died on a cross for us. Because he did that, we're going to be in Jesus' presence. We're going to be in God's presence and we're not going to have to worry. And that just blows me away because no one knows me better than me. I know it gets in my brain. I know what comes out. I know all the things that get filtered back. I know I'm not worthy. I know I'm not righteous. But man, oh man, am I thankful that there is a reward available to me because of what Christ did on a cross. And am I even more thankful that all I have to do is admit that I'm a sinner, believe that I am saved, and confess my sins to Him and to the world. This distinction, this polarity, between those who find their reward here on earth and those that will find their reward in heaven, it exists because of one's sense of self. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it wrong. 
Those who refuse to place their faith and trust in Jesus do so because they think they've got it all figured out. They think they know better. They think really, really highly of themselves. I'm not talking about self-confidence. I'm not talking about believing that you are worthy because as we've talked about, none of us are, and yet God and Jesus already said that we were. So get that thought process out of your mind. But I'm talking about our opinion of ourselves to be able to save ourselves. Without humility, there is no reward in heaven. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now and I thank you for this day and I thank you for what your word says and the message that is just alive throughout scripture, that you love us and that you care for us and that you want relationship with us and that God, you'll do whatever it takes in order to make that happen, including sending your son to die on a cross, to bear our sins, to have his body broken and the blood shed from his body, also that we might experience a righteousness that we do not deserve, so that we may one day receive a body like Christ received after his ascension into heaven. God, we are thankful and blessed to be able to be loved by you. Give us that same spirit that same heart that you have for us, God, give us that for other people in our lives and in our world. Again, Lord, we ask that you reveal anything to us that we need to to do away with, whether that be our attitude of pride or greed or our desire for earthly things that takes place of our desire for you. God, may we say goodbye to anything and everything that is not good for our pursuit with Christ. May we chase after you and you alone and live life every single day looking for opportunities to follow where the Spirit is leading so that we might just possibly make an impact for the kingdom, knowing that there's nothing that we have to do other than share the gift of grace that we have received. We ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Here in a few moments, we're going to have a baptism. I know one young man has already come up to me this morning and asked me, after he asked his, his, his Sunday school teacher, asked her about what it meant to be a Christian and how he might uh, accept Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. Encouraged by what's going on with Gavin this morning, he decided that that was something that he needed to do. He needed to give his life over to Jesus and he needed to believe and he needed the forgiveness that was available to him only through Christ. A young man, not even a teen yet, understanding that Christ is the only way. I've seen people saved at six years old and I've seen people saved at 96 years old and the fact of the matter is it doesn't matter when it happens as long as it happens. If God is calling to you today, if he's reaching out to you today, if he's knocking on that door, wanting to come in, wanting to have a relationship with you, will you let him in? 
Will you unlock the door and turn the handle and just take a leap of faith? Commit yourself to following wherever it is that he is leading you to go. He wants to. He loves you. You may not feel worthy, but I can tell you this. God says you are worthy. And Christ deemed you worth it to die on a cross. So don't for one second think that you're too far gone or you're too bad or there's things that can't be forgiven because He can wipe away every sin and make you white as snow. Membership is something you're interested in. As always, let's talk about that after service. If you need to pray with somebody today, I'm going to be up here. I'm going to be standing with you, waiting to to pray with you and and giving you that opportunity to come pray with me. Um, Let's see here. Mike, can you stand up over here to the left and be ready to pray with people? And uh, Shane, would you mind? I'm going to have Shane Coker stand up if you'll be kind of over off to that side ready to pray with people. If you need to come pray with me, come pray with me. We have a stage. Let that be your altar. You don't have to pray with any of us. Why? Because God hears you. God hears you. Whatever it is that is in your life right now that is bigger than what you are, turn it over to God. Turn it over to God today. He is ready and willing to take on that burden for you. Let's stand and let's worship.